And then, you know, Helen Keller's response is, oh yeah, I know, I know all about him. I just know what to call him. God is revealing himself to us outside of the Bible. God says, okay, well, if a puddle becomes conscious, he's got a good point then. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, welcome to Squeaky Tree Podcast. My name is Jessica, and this is my super handsome husband. Hey, how's it going? So uh, when we had our special guest speaker here, Brandon, <coughs> we had a beautiful side conversation about science and the Bible and Christianity. Yes. And we definitely want to share that with you guys. Yes. It was amazing. And um, the whole the whole time we were together uh, for the three hours to share it, it was just amazing. So uh, with the side conversation, we think that it's very important to share with you guys because it was just, it was really good. It was a good eye opener too for... Um, just a different perspective. So. Yeah. So we want to want you guys to enjoy this, and uh, so. Yeah. So just go back in time with us. Yes. So here we go. Right. So an atheist is you know they don't an atheist is somebody who believes that no God exists. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean no, we no God most people know there. that, but mm-hmm. if you don't, an atheist believes nothing. There's nothing. no higher power, no God, nothing. Nothing. And there's and now there's different types of atheists. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I'll just speak of the most popular yeah, the general. kind, which yeah. is, a, 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 which is called a, the, the worldview is called naturalism, which means all that exists is what's in nature. There's nothing else. And because they believe nature exists, so that's a whole, it, it gets real deep and dark. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, you know, how do you know this is even real? How do you know the physical world's right. even real? Right. How do you know? How do you know this isn't a hologram? How do you know it's right. not all in your head? You know, there's a whole position called solipsism, which basically means the only thing I know is that my mind exists. Everybody else might just be a robot. <laughs> Like there's oh people that believe gosh. this because again, if you, you know, those people are being consistent with what they believe. I only, you know, people say, I only believe what I can prove scientifically mm-hmm. and they can't, you can't prove a mind exists scientifically. Mm. You know, what's, right. what, you know, what's science? Like science is the study of the natural world. It's studying material things. Mm-hmm. You know, people misuse what science is all the time. And, uh, you know, no, no sophisticated, philosopher of science is going to make these blunders but like the popular atheist scientists that we see neil degrasse tyson richard dawkins uh bill nye the science guy yeah, yeah. they've never thought philosophically about science they just they say silly and this creates a tension in christianity which it shouldn't like a lot of christians have this tension with science because they hear these scientists say science says god doesn't exist <laughs> no it doesn't right. science yeah. can't even speak to whether god exists or mm. not because god by definition is non-material He's not. He's not made out of you know wood and car- yeah. matter. He's not what we know as material. Right? He's not made out of matter. Right. right. He's, yeah. The Bible says he's a spirit. So if from a Christian standpoint, when an atheist says, "Oh, you know, we can't, you know, God doesn't exist because science can't prove he exists," that's like, well, of course he can't. You you can't. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like science can't prove that your mind exists. Right. Right. That's so it's like, what 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 are you saying? That that shouldn't be something that bothers a Christian. But the problem is, is they're mis- they're using they're misapplying science. Science can tell us, it can recognize patterns, it can recognize, science is extremely useful. Science, and, and again, not to pick, I could take a million rabbit trails with this, but science was, was, look at the origins of science. Science was, modern science, the way we know it today, the scientific method was created by Christians. Mm-hmm. It was all created by Christians, coming out of the, in the enlightenment. You know, what happened was, I'm trying to sum this up very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> we know, you know, Greek philosophy, um, you know, came along in the, before Christ, Greek philosophy, this, this, you know, Aristotelian like logic, thinking about things logically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like Plato, Aristotle, 
this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, this was very influential to guys like Paul. Paul was he grew up in the Greek culture, even though he was a he was a Jew. He grew up in the Greek culture. Mm-hmm. Um, very well versed, smart extremely man, extremely well versed, yes. and that's why he's so he relevant to us all the time. <laughs> that's why he's so relevant to us today because mm-hmm. our culture is yes. very much, or at least originally, it was kind of founded in Greek philosophy. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. and so. When we read the book of Romans, we can follow the logical argumentation. Like, oh, okay, this happened, this happened. Okay, because Paul is thinking like a Greek in that sense. Yeah. You know, he was take, he did an amazing job of taking he because he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, he studied under you know the the, the greatest you know teachers in, in Judaism at the time. Mm-hmm. But he also had that Greek mind because he grew up in the Greek culture. So right. he was able to kind of bring these two together, which has been the foundation of the Western world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so what ended up happening was. Uh, in the you know 400 500s AD, we got the 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 church you know kind of once it became um, you know after Constantine you know after after Christianity became like the state religion and it kind of changed a lot and got kind of weird it kind of mm-hmm. broke away from the original teachings in the Bible. Well, after that happened, they 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 ended up doing away with Greek philosophy because Greek philosophy was like the devil. You know, they they basically they 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 threw the baby out with the bathwater without realizing how useful it could be, mm-hmm. um, and they threw it out. And so uh, they, they did away with it. And then that's when Christianity really got kind of wacky, you know. And I say that meaning, you know, there's a reason why the Reformation ended up happening. But Christianity got pretty wacky over the years. And then by the time you get to uh, the Reformation in the 1500s, it was a good thousand years. We call it the Middle Ages. Sometimes we call it the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening was there was a rediscovery of Greek philosophy in Western civilization. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very narrow view, even though it's where all of our – basically anybody in America – you know, our, our Christianity came from Europe, but Christianity was not just European Christianity. Um, after, you know, Jesus ascended, you know, it went everywhere. I mean, it was in, mm-hmm. it was in Africa. It was in, uh, went into Asia mm-hmm. and those traditions, some of them are still alive today. Like there's a, you know, the, 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 uh, Ethiopian Orthodox mm-hmm. church is still a thing. There's a, the Coptic church in, uh, in, um, Egypt is, is, you know, these are ancient Christian mm-hmm. traditions that, you know, go way, way, way back, like right after the apostles went out. This is where the stuff came from. Mm-hmm. You know, we know the story of the Ethiopian eunuch where, where it was a Philip. Yeah. Yeah. So all the way back then. So anyway, Christianity is, is more than just European. I just want to say that because it's important. Um, yeah. But anyway, science did come out. Modern science did come out of Europe. So that's why I'm bringing this up. Right. So what ends up happening is uh, they, they end up finding from the Alexandrian churches and the things in, in Africa, they end up rediscovering Greek philosophy because it had been lost. And this is what produced what we call the enlightenment. You know, now the enlightenment is in most cases, it's, it's looking at uh, the world through the lens of Greek philosophy, but you know, let's set aside the Bible. So, you know, a lot of the enlightenment thinkers of the, those ages um, were, were not Christians. Right. A lot of our founding fathers were not Christians. They were, they were deists. They believed in, a, you know, creator God, right? Like Thomas Jefferson's popular. You know, he edited his own Bible to make it fit what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he he wasn't a Christian, but he believed that some sort of God exists. This, this, right? You know, those those were guys that came out of the Enlightenment. Our country came out of the Enlightenment more than anything, in this resurgence of Greek philosophy and thinking logically. So, from all that, um, you had Christians in the 1500s that were now beginning to think differently about how to read the Bible. They're like, okay, hey, wait a minute. Let me look at how, how can I understand the Bible? You know, knowing that, you know, being having been introduced to logical thinking. Mm. And they start looking at the Bible more critically and they start realizing, hey, wait a minute. 
there's more to God's revelation than just what we think is being said here. So a good example, um, well, again, how science came out of Christianity was uh, in Romans um, chapter one. I'm going to turn to it real quick because this is a really uh, yeah, that's good. important important passage. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm kind of going to explain. So in Romans one verse twenty, it says Paul he's making it he's making an argument basically saying that all people are guilty before God because well I'll read it. It says <laughs> yeah. Why am I going to like sum it up? I'm going to read it. Right, right, right. Come on. All right. For since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes, that's God, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. So they are without excuse. Okay. And he goes on to talk about other stuff. But he, what, he, what he's saying there is through nature, God has revealed enough about himself to people that they don't have an excuse for rejecting him. Right. Okay. This is, and so what happened, and it's not just here. So in, um, in uh, another good verse for this, is going back to uh, Psalms, Psalms 19, verse 1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Mm-hmm. So basically these guys like uh, Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was a theologian. Mm-hmm. Like we know he's the guy who discovered gravity. Mm-hmm. But he was a theologian. <laughs> like that's what he was. That was, that was his main mm-hmm. vocation. Yeah. You know, and, and so many of these early scientists were guys who were theologians. They were just like, they had gotten exposed to thinking about things in a different way, logically thinking, you know, the way Paul was thinking when he was writing this stuff and making these logical cases for stuff. And they go, wait a minute. If God's speaking through creation, then why aren't we studying that? Mm-hmm. Like we should be studying creation. If, God, if, if, if the Bible is telling us that God is pouring forth knowledge through his creation, like, shouldn't we be looking at it a little bit? Right, because then right. we can learn more about him through his creation. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah. so, so what ends up happening is the guy who's actually considered the founder of the scientific method, his name is Francis Bacon. And uh, he has a quote that I love. And, and, and the quote is, I, I mean, I, can, I'm, I don't have it right in front of me, but I'm going to summarize it. Okay, yeah, He yeah. says that God's given us two scriptures to study, two volumes to study. Okay. Uh, his written word and nature. Mm. And by studying them both, it keeps us out of error. This is what Francis Bacon, he, and he is, the, you can Google this, Google this. Francis Bacon is the founder of the scientific method. That was his worldview. His worldview was God's revealed to, to us about himself through nature, mm. so we should study it. Mm. It's rational. We can study nature and learn things about it. That's where science comes from. So science is never, you know, in its root form, what science is, it's studying God's creation. Mm-hmm. So as a, from a Christian standpoint, there should never be a conflict between you know, between the natural revelation that, that okay, that's, that's the theological term. It's natural revelation. Mm. So the Bible is called special revelation. Jesus coming to earth as you know, that's special. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a special revelation, meaning that you're only going to know about that if you have access to that, not that information, but general revelation or natural revelation is God's r- revelation through nature, which mm-hmm. every single human being has access to. Yeah. Right. Every single person that's ever lived has, has had access to, God's natural revelation. Yes, yes. You know, uh, you, you ever heard of Helen Keller? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't, again, I don't have the quote in front of me, but Helen Keller, she was born, uh, actually, she wasn't born deaf and blind, but she became deaf and blind mm-hmm. really early in her life. I think she was like one or two. Yes, mm-hmm. from illness, yeah. Yep, and so by the time, so like nobody could communicate with her for years. Right. And then finally- She somebody, was mute too, I think, right? Yeah, she yeah. couldn't communicate at all. Yeah. She was deaf and blind. I mean, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I don't I mean, think, It's insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but anyway, the first person that I forget again, you know, I forget the lady's name, but she, yeah. she taught her how to communicate yeah. using like sign, sign language, language in her hand. And Sullivan. Yeah. Yep. And, and Sullivan. Sullivan. Yes. There yes. you go. Yeah. Well, she ends up telling her about Jesus and then, you know, a Helen Keller's response is, oh yeah, I know. I know all about him. I just didn't know what to call him. Oh, like wow. she knew who God was. Yeah. Wow. She just that's didn't so know cool. what to call I didn't him. Know that. Mm-hmm. But there's, but that's true. You know, all of us. I mean, like right. it's, God is revealing himself to wow. us. How cool is that? Outside yeah. of the Bible. Yeah. And then, you know, again, the Bible has special revelation in it. It's, yes. It tells you're never going to find out about Jesus of Nazareth from looking at the moon. Right. Act, well, you know, I don't know. Think about the uh, the, the three wise men. That this right. Call yeah. them. The stars. Right? They're looking yeah. at the stars and somehow they know, hey, the Messiah is coming. I know this from the stars. Kind of weird. Right. So, right. I mean, really, if you think about it, like God is communicating yeah. in a lot of ways to people. Yes. Yeah. So that's where science came from. It's studying God's creation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what's happened since then is like any good thing, people take it and they use it in ways they shouldn't. Like man always does. Like man always does. But every good thing God's given us, we, we, <laughs> we just destroy. Yeah, we I know. sure do. Yeah. So if you've already decided that there's no God, mm. you're going to look at any evidence differently. It could be about anything. It could be about why, you know, I don't know. Any, 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 honestly, anything you could mm-hmm. learn about or, or, or view in the world. If you're coming to whatever new data you're looking at and you're coming at it from a perspective that already precludes God, God doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you're going to view it differently. Whereas if you if you do believe God exists, you're going to have a, a different way of looking at that data. It's a different filter, a different lens. And it's about, you know, really we're talking about what, figuring out what lens is the right lens to wear. What lens tells us the most accurately about our reality? Is it a lens in which God doesn't exist or one where he does exist? And, you know, and again, if you know, and if you are a person that has a scientific mind or somebody likes to think about things in scientific terms, you know, I would say to that person, like, you know, Science doesn't speak to whether or not God exists. It just tells us what the natural world, you know, it, it tells us what's going on in the natural world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about whether or not God exists, although there's going to be evidence. There's evidence for God's existence in the natural world. Absolutely. That's the whole point of, of Romans 1 here. Mm-hmm. Like there's evidence we all know because of God's natural revelation. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, know. I mean, just to go with this is not as I guess technical as what you've been got you've gotten into, but I mean, Jessica and I just started doing homesteading. Right. And so in the process of homesteading, we have been um, doing tons of research on how to keep your own seeds and how to, you know, manage them and grow them and start them from seed to grow to a plant. And how do you get a tomato from that and then keep those seeds, you know, and going and like the more we get into it and how in depth, the processes, yeah, like you're saying, because our foundation, our world, our worldview is God always is the creation of is the start of everything. Then we look at this and we go, man, he's amazing. Yeah. Yes, you know, because you're like you you thought of all this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he created all that to work that way, and like it just like every time we read another plan or this can do this, we're just like our minds blow up. And I know that's like a simple way of saying it, but you see, you see the intelligence behind it. Yes. You see the in- yes. complexity yeah. of it all. Yeah. And you're like, there's no way that we just, just popped into oh, existence. It, it's an intuitive, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. World. yeah, it's like yeah. obvious. I mean, literally if you press back on atheists, they'll say, well, you know, yeah, the earth, it, things do look designed. 
they look designed, but they're just not. Right. They appear designed, but they're just not. You know, one of one of the one of the uh, there's an example that atheists love to give, and it's um, you know, it's called the the uh, sentient puddle. Sentient puddle. So they say this. Okay, imagine a, a puddle suddenly becomes conscious one day, mm. and the puddle looks at around and says, "Wow, look at this." Look at this ground. It's designed perfectly to fit me. Look how it's, you know, I fit perfectly in this ground. I mean, clearly it was designed for me because I fit so perfectly in it, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, you, you hear an atheist say that, and they, they, you think this is like this drop dead, you know, thing. I'm like, and my response is, okay, well, if a puddle becomes conscious, he's got a good point then. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, if a puddle can suddenly say, become aware, self aware, and say, wow, look at this ground that I fit perfectly in. Right. That, that demands an explanation. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, yeah. maybe it has nothing to do with how he fits in the puddle, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's something more to it. So it's a bad analogy. Great. But, <laughs> you know, but that's how they kind of view it. It's like, right. just because we exist, we know we exist. Well, there's, you know, there could be a number of explanations to why, and we're gonna, it's going to seem like we got here mm. by a purpose, but we just don't. And we're just, you know, there's a whole, and again, we couldn't ever get into it today, but there's, there's arguments against atheism that just, that use, the best arguments against atheism use their own worldview. It's again, you're playing, playing ball on their court. Mm-hmm. Like, because what you're doing is you're showing inconsistencies in their worldview. Right, right. That's what I mean by, does your, is your worldview have a good foundation? Is it, is it self-contradictory? Or is it, does it mm-hmm. make sense? You know, so when an atheist, again, when they say, oh, you know, hum, you know, we shouldn't kill people. Well, why? They don't have a good reason for that. Right, There's right. a hole in their worldview that they need to fill. And uh, and the same and it applies to everything. They they just don't go back far enough. Like they most atheists will start right. like they assume all these things are true, because they grew up in a culture with like shadows of Christianity still embedded right. into it, like human rights, for example. Mm-hmm. We just accept human rights as a thing, but why? Right. They weren't always there. Mm-hmm. Human rights were not always a part of society. They were not. They came from something very specific. Mm-hmm. It's in the Bible. Like it, there's a reason why we believe that humans have intrinsic rights and value Mm -hmm. because the bible says so and that's the reason Mm -hmm. you know god (laughs) god jesus made it very clear humans have value so we should treat them like they have such right right. but that's why in other worldviews you know we see a lot of terrible things happen because they they follow those world i mean look the atheist regimes in the 20th century are responsible for hundreds of millions of deaths Mm -hmm. you know joseph stalin in uh russia Mm -hmm. You know, he's got somewhere between 60 and 120 million, million bodies yeah. on his, on his, on his, you know, account of his worldview. Yeah. Which was an atheist worldview. Mm-hmm. There was no human value. Yeah. Let's get rid of these people. I don't care. Right. Right. You know, and even Hitler, I mean, Hitler, uh, people try to say Hitler was a Christian. He was not a Christian. He, he wasn't a Christian by his own. He hated Christianity mm-hmm. by his own admission because it was weak mm-hmm. in his mind. Who worships a, a, a crucified Messiah? That's weak. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of man would die like that? Shameful right. death. No way. That's that was Hitler's mentality. You know, Hitler was very into the occult. Like he, they, they were really into like that, that kind of like that. Uh, um, even now, like a lot of uh, people that are, you know, uh, of the Aryan Brotherhood. You know, like they, 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 they worship Odin. Right. <laughs> like that's who they. You know, Odin is their is who they choose to worship because Odin's like this powerful white god who's just like out here. You know. Right. You know, and that and that's kind of what Hitler's mindset was yeah. too. They need to watch Thor. You know what I mean? Right. So. Right. And Thor. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> Look, when Thor jumped, when, when, you ever seen uh, Civil War? Yes. When Thor drops into Wakanda, it starts like going off. I mean, right. who wouldn't want to worship that guy, right? Right, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I changed my worldview instantly right after that movie. He starts slinging his hammer around. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, so cool. 
<laughs> but yeah, so you know, your worldview has to be consistent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so then let's just say like if I'm approaching an atheist, I have a friend that's an atheist, I randomly bump into an atheist and I say, God bless you, whatever, right? And it just starts this conversation. So from definitely what I got, point one is learn their worldview. When yes. you say that'd be like a point one. Right, and how do you do that? Right, so Ask how questions. do you do it? Ask questions. Ask questions. So what, In what, Greg Kokel's book, Tactics, that's what he, he, he has a, he calls it the Columbo tactic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically where you just play dumb. Oh, tell me what you believe. Oh, I, you know, I believe that. Like you uh, just don't come in going, Jesus saves, no, you know. <laughs> no, you got to till the soil. You right. Till right, the soil. Right. So okay. learn their so worldview, ask questions. questions. What would what would you say would be like point two? Like if we could do like three steps. Keep asking questions. Keep a- Ask more questions. Ask more questions because in just. In so just, just step two is ask questions. Let's just, just do that. Don't, don't try to convince them of anything. The point is if Christianity is true and their worldview is not true, mm-hmm. then there's going to be holes in their worldview. So you, so even if he doesn't, you could talk to somebody you know nothing about their worldview. Mm. Just ask them questions. Well, why why do you why do you believe that? Mm. Oh, kind of learn where pe- they're at. People right? don't know why they believe what they do. In right. fact, most Christians, sadly, sorry, I freaked out because like the lighting shifted so drastically just for a minute. But anyways, but, but yeah, the, most Christians don't know why they believe what yeah. they do either. And so that's where apologetics is helpful because you yes. can learn why you believe. Foundation, you believe. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Studying you, the word, you can, study you can learn why you believe. You don't know. just say because my mom told me to. <laughs> right. Well, that's true for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. It's, which is crazy. I mean, I'll even, well, I do, okay. We could get <laughs> sidetracked on so many areas here. So, and then step three. What would be a step three? So, we learn their, we're learning their worldview, first one. First point, learn their worldview. Second point, ask, ask them questions. questions. and questions and questions and more questions. Point three. Uh, you know, I, I, honestly, I'm. Have I, them ask you questions? Oh, oh, yeah, you can do that. But again, it's, you know. I can't get past asking questions. Like it's, it's just, it's so important because questions do more than just help you understand what they believe. It's going to help them understand what they believe. Maybe three is begin to point out the inconsistencies. Well, you do that through questions. That's the beauty yeah. of it. Yeah. You, so you, you, you ask calculated questions and you frame them in ways. So, okay. So like a good example is this is a conversation you would easily have with your normal run of the mill atheist. They would say, uh, Oh, you know, I just think Christianity is dumb. Oh, why do you think it's dumb? Well, because, you know, Bible is just a bunch. It's a, I don't know, what do they say? It's a archaic Bronze Age mythology. It's a bunch of nonsense. Right. Why, you know. Okay, well, what, what do you believe? Well, I only, I only believe what science can prove. Oh, okay. Well, um, like what? What does science prove? Oh, well, it, it proves, you know, and let them talk. And then you can say, well, what about... Um, you know, what's right and wrong. Do you believe right and wrong? He says, well, yeah, yeah. Well, what does science say about that? Well, I don't know. What does science say about morality? Like, what does it say? Like, how can you study the natural world and conclude that murder is wrong? Mm-hmm. That science doesn't speak to that. So you Actually, if you study the natural world, uh, animals... They murder each other. Oh, yeah. Destroy each other. Well, if you want to get your morality from animals, then... You know what I mean? Like, I've, so I'm just, I've, I've talked to people where they're like, well, we witnessed... I'm not going to... It's a whole other topic. <laughs> Specific, you know, behavior. Oh, we witnessed this in the animal kingdom. Well, you know what else we witnessed in the animal kingdom? Mothers eat their young all the time. Right. Okay. So should we Should we should do we that just too? Start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget abortion. Let's just start eating babies. Yeah, wait till they're born. You know, right. get some nutrition out of it. You right. Know? <laughs> and it's like... Sorry, I went, that went real dark. Yeah. Uh. But no, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect thanks but uh but yeah so it's you know why do you believe that and right then, and then eventually what they'll help them do is to see i don't know why i believe this like mm. it doesn't really you know does does your worldview answer these questions you're thinking it, mm. it answers 
And when they realize it doesn't, then now you can start to get into, you know, I mean, Greg Kokel says this, it's like putting a, you need, our goal sometimes is to just put a stone in their shoe. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine that, that your worldview is your shoe and you put a stone in it. And eventually you got to take it off and look at it and look at it. Cause yeah. it's hurting. It's hurting mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Yeah. So and true. so that, that can be the goal, you mm-hmm. know, as for, to a Christian, that's what I would say. Just your goal is to put a stone in their shoe and then continue to do that in a loving way. Like you do what you're doing because you care about them. You're not yeah. trying to, I think, I think that's, that's right. I think that's the key to anything is don't come approaching it in a sense of I'm going to prove I'm right. Mm-hmm. And don't come and approach to sense that like, Oh, like when's the instantly go, I'm atheist. And you just instantly go from zero to 10 and just start being like, you're an idiot or whatever you want to say. No approach them at like, okay, just ask questions, be in a loving manner, mm-hmm. you know, learn who they are. Yeah. They'll yeah. be more open. Right. And where it gets trickier though, see a- atheists in general, like they're more, they claim to, you know, they claim to appeal to logic and reason. So they, so they say things like, oh, I'm open to arguments and, and, right, and I'm, right. I'm open to think critically. You know, you're the Christian. You don't think critically. So that, that's how they approach it. Yeah. So you can have those type of conversations. Where it gets really tricky is when you're talking to somebody who isn't an atheist, who holds another worldview, mm. who has been taught you don't dare question somebody's religion like that's just off limits like it's inappropriate mm. like there's mm. a lot of people like that and that's right. where it's it really tricky because where our culture is headed is, is like you know if you like i it's, you know again working with the youth i remember one day mm-hmm. i had brought up about uh there was some muslim girls that came and uh, actually they weren't muslim they, i think their dad was muslim anyway and i had just i had mentioned similar what i said about how islam's not true because of the facts you know yeah and uh they got really offended and mad and they're like you know you can't say that like you can't tell somebody their religion isn't true mm. And that's where we're at. That's what that's where we're headed. You know, again, atheists generally don't think like that because they kind of they want to have this intellectual superiority complex. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry if you're an atheist listening. You probably just <laughs> I probably just lost <laughs> you with that. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not saying that you think like that, but many of your ilk do. And so I don't know how else to put it. They right. do, you know they want to come to the 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 conversation with I'm, you know, I've thought about this and you haven't. Well, and maybe that's true a lot of times but they haven't thought about it enough. Mm-hmm. Mm, they haven't been, as, they haven't been critical. Nobody's as critical to their own worldview as they are of others generally. Yeah. And uh, as Christians, that's what I encourage all Christians to be critical. Like when you come across a passage in the Bible, that seems weird. It doesn't make sense. Don't just shrug your shoulders at it. Dig into it. Like yeah. that's what I like to do. Dig yeah. into it. Right. Cross reference it. Everything. Yeah. Figure it out. Figure yeah. out why, what, why it says what it says. And There's why so many weird. times in the Bible that it even like a, a verse that you might be unsure of has four other scriptures that help explain it a little bit more. Right. And then you're like, Oh, that's what they're saying. Or let me, let's see what the Greek means of death here. You know? And you're yes. like, Oh, they actually don't really mean that kind of this. They mean this. And you're like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah. You know, right. like, don't be scared to search for more knowledge. Yeah, right. We right. Christians shouldn't. We should not. We shouldn't be scared. And I think we shouldn't I, be scared of the truth. I think I know this is completely off topic of apologetics and stuff, but I think a lot of times we, we as Christians, even just growing up in 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 the church, and you know, like yourself and stuff like that, that like, you know, I'm scared to ask my brother, or you know, Christian or friend or whatever. You know, why do they believe? Like. I'm scared to ask the challenging questions right. and then I'm scared to be asked because if my foundation or worldview is slightly off, then what, you know, then right, I got to right. rethink my whole life, yeah. you know? 
And it's like, well, not necessarily you got to rethink your whole life. You might just have to improve your foundation. Exactly. It's, That's it, all it is. It, it, you know, at the end of the day, asking questions to our own belief or you're getting asked, it's good. Like it, it produce, it, you know, it might cause a little discomfort at first. Right. You're like, oh, I don't know about that. That's right. why, again, like, you know, something like evolution. Like most Christians, when they hear that term, like, oh, no, no, no. And, but again, like the only reason why I don't panic about it is because I've, you know, I've been able to dig into it and say, okay, it's not a threat. Right. It's not a threat to Christianity at all. You know, and if it was, well then, okay, well, is it true? And if it's, you know, again, like I, if Christianity isn't true and the evidence somehow showed that it wasn't, then okay. Like I want, I just want to believe what's true. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it just so happens that Christianity is true. It's true. (laughs) You know, know, and uh, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, it's, and then, you know, people would be asked, well, why do you believe it's, it's so true? But I'm like, the more you dig into it, the more truth, it just, reassures itself even more of how true it is. Yeah. You know? And that's and like, why I think science is important. I think science is important because science done right, which is again, like it, science says nothing about whether or not God exists or not. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to be afraid of in digging into science, which you, you know, yeah, you might have a scientist that inter- again, that interprets the data from a worldview that says God doesn't exist. And then say something like science says this, well, that's, that's careless with their words. Science right. doesn't say anything. Philosophy of science says things. Science, the method doesn't say anything. It's how you interpret that data is what says something. So um, that's one of the, you know, one of the things that apologetics has done for me is, is I've as it's encouraged me to dig into the science and dig into what the nat- God's natural revelation is saying mm-hmm. about what he's created. And then using it like Francis Bacon said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this revelation from God with this revelation from God, and it's going to help me figure out what's actually true. Right. You know, and science, and, and and the truth is, though, is you know, our interpretation of nature is not always um, accurate. You know, it's not nothing's it's not infallible, and our interpretation is never infallible. Mm. The Bible is God's word, right? So the Bible yeah. is is inspired, but our interpretation of it is not always. Right. So we can misinterpret stuff. Yeah, and in the same way, we can misinterpret nature. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite examples of this is uh, for for years and years and years, right? Um, the, up until the 1900s, the, the atheists generally said the universe always existed. Atheists have been around longer than just recently. They've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Not, they're always a minority. There's not very many in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Like even today, less than 10% of the world would identify as atheists. It's still, a, a, still a, a minority. But in any case, you know, the, uh, the universe was considered to always have existed. It was eternal in the past. It just, it just is. Well, we would know from what the Bible says that it wasn't eternal, that God created it at a specific point in the past. The universe was created. Whether or not you want to, you know, it doesn't, this, this is not a discussion about how old the universe is. It's just the fact that the Bible says that God created it. So imagine that. Imagine you live in 1900, and the best science of the day said that the universe has always been here. It's always been here. But yet what you read in the Bible says, no, it hasn't always been here. You might have a conflict there. Mm-hmm. So there's a conflict between what, our data on natural revelation is versus what's in the special revelation in the Bible. It seems to be a conflict. So what do you do? Well, I can tell you, some people would say, well, you know what? Since this is where the science is pointing right now, this must be true. I'm going to go ahead and do away with Christianity. You know, And um, people did that. Some mm-hmm. people did that. Other people didn't. Well, in the 1920s, Edwin Hubble, who they named the telescope after, you know, the Hubble mm-hmm. telescope, but, yeah. but he discovered what's called the red shift. The red shift in space is, anyway, it's a long story, but it's, it's basically how light looks, the farthest light that they can possibly see in our solar system or in, our, in the whole, whole universe. 
anyway, it's 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 from that discovery is how they determined that the universe was expanding. And then they end up coming up with, hey, the universe actually, it did begin to exist from a point in the finite past. So it's what we call now is called the Big Bang. What's funny is this. A lot of Christians hear the term Big Bang, and then they think this is like a claim against God's existence. What's funny is the term Big Bang was coined by scientists who hated, hated the conclusion that was being drawn when they discovered that the evidence was pointing to the universe having began at a finite point and it began to expand because what it did was it proved that the universe began to exist. Mm. It was, it was scientific evidence. I shouldn't say proof. It was evidence that pointed to the fact that the universe began to exist, which is what the Bible has been saying since it was right. written. Right. 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 But the atheists at the time didn't like this data. They're like, no, this is just some silly big bang thing. There's actually an article in one of the papers back in the twenties that said, that the Big Bang is creationism disguised as science. Like they were, they were mm. against it because mm. they didn't like what the conclusion it was drawing. Mm. So here you have now science has changed. So here at one point the, the data was well the universe has been here forever, and then now they're discovering wait no it hasn't. The universe started to exist, mm. and of course with you know the, the based off the speed of light and things like that they conclude that the universe began to exist you know 14 billion years ago. Right. 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 Well, the point is is that the data now shows that the universe began to exist, which lines up with what the Bible says. Wow, mm-hmm. look at that. Wow, shocker. Shocker, right? shocker. <laughs> but, but think about that. There was people that would have at one point said, hey, you know what? Based off of the data I'm seeing right now, I can't trust this Bible because, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, the data, the scientific data, can, can, it's always going to, when we understand it properly, it's always going to corroborate what's in here and right. we're going to be able to, draw it together where we can make mistakes. Mm. What's in here, by the way, is uh, the Bible is what he's pointing to. Sorry. Yes. I'm pointing at the Bible. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what's in the Bible, you know, and so where we can make mistakes again is how we interpret scientific data can also be in how we interpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's been where there's the most conflict I've seen has been within Christianity is on is, is we have tradi- you know, I call them traditional. Really what I mean is they're just, certain passages in scripture that we have come to interpret one way. We think this is the right way to read Mm -hmm. it and then come to find out it might not be the best way to read it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we can kind of come up with perceived conflicts between what we see in, in nature Mm -hmm. and what we see in, in, in the Bible. That's why like, um, I know you've heard the song a hundred billion times. Oh yeah. What's it called? Uh, By Hill songs. Yeah, yeah the, what's the name? Is that what it's called? A hundred billion times. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I love that song. Yeah. But yeah, me too. It's like it's one of my favorite songs because um, not only is it just well written and musically, put it's, all that aside. It's, it's a great. It's song. brilliant. It's yeah. a great song. But lyric, anything Joel Houston writes is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just, it just is. I don't That's know. That's true. He, he's phenomenal. But but lyrically, it puts what you're actually really. What do you think saying. about that? What do you think about yeah, when the, you the, the passage the, the science to to the scripture? Because like you mm-hmm. know. Uh, every painted every uh, painted sky is the canvas of your grace. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's basically saying the a sunset or a, a sunrise or something that I see where the colors painted nature wise and what I'm naturally seeing points to the the goodness, the grace mm-hmm. of God. You know, and it's like, what do you think about the line that says "evolving in pursuit of what you said"? What do you think about mm-hmm. that? Because yeah, that's that, I'm saying. I just pulled out all the lines are like. Mind well, blowing. I'm just yeah. because I know like a lot of churches omit that line because he says evolving. Oh. A lot of churches omit that. Like I, I've, uh, 
I thought it was a, I thought it was a great line. Well, I like it too. Be- but because I think it's true. Like what he we ev- like, however you want to look at evolving, right. we evolved from what he said. You know, and if if it was a, a long process or a short process, it doesn't really matter. In my in my opinion. I, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree completely. But a lot of <laughs> people hear that and they change that. I, I'm trying to think how they. Um, I go to a church sometimes. Growing in what you say. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. They yeah. change it. They just change evolving to another. Which another is word. yeah. Stupid. Which yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like the sloppy wet kiss versus passionate kiss debate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> With uh, David Crowder. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. That is Squeaky Tree. Uh, thanks again, Brandon. For, no for joining us. It has yeah. been a blast. We're going to head out. See you next time on Squeaky Tree Podcast. Bye.